on September 10th, 2001. I was in a small car filled with a bunch of stuff, driving in the early hours of the morning from Tennessee to New York City. I was on my way so that I might make a very special occasion. That Sunday on the 16th of September, I was to be inducted as the assistant pastor of MCC New York. I had gone to seminary in New York City. I had trained at MCC New York. And while I had served in other places, I was returning home in order to serve the people that I already knew and loved. As I was driving, after a while, something felt unsettled in me, and I couldn't place it. I realized that there were fewer cars on the road than I might usually have expected. And then I became aware of something very strange that I even noticed. But I realized I hadn't seen any airplanes. The area where I was driving had uh, a big, it was expansive. It was out in the country and you could see a lot of sky. And when you go for long journeys, even at the edge of your consciousness, you become aware of airplanes, just the cloud streaks. And I realized that the skies were empty and the roads were empty and it was odd. I pulled into a rural gas station and I was not able to pay at the pump and so I went into the small uh, office area to pay the attendant who promptly ignored me. And I was irritated because I was in a hurry to go be a fine Christian minister <laughs> in New York City. And so with some mildly snotty exaggeration, I turned to look at the television with him that was keeping his attention. And I saw the trade towers falling. And I thought he was watching a movie for a moment. And then I realized that it wasn't a movie. And just naturally, I blurted out, that's where I'm going. And he said, not now, you're not. And it started to dawn on me, this reality that I was experiencing here in this rural gas station off a freeway. And I thought of all the people I loved and the church that I was hoping to arrive in. My partner at the time was already in the city. And I was afraid. Afraid for them, afraid for my future and I didn't know what to do. It turned out that I was not able to go into New York City that day or for a few more days besides because the tunnels and the bridges were closed. Eventually I was able to contact loved ones and to find that most of them uh, were accounted for. And over the next few days while I waited to go to New York City, um, I, like many of us, watched on the news image after image of this horrible thing. I'm not afraid of your God. I'm afraid of what you do in the name of your God. I'm not afraid of our God. I'm afraid of what we do in the name of our God.
I arrived in New York City just in time for that Sunday's service. It was the fullest Sunday service we had had in a very, very long time. And my small induction was wholly overshadowed by a service that was seeking to respond to people's need in the midst of fear and terrible loss. The church in New York City is on 36th Street. It is not very far from the Trade Towers. Many of the people in our New York congregation lost their homes or their livelihoods or loved ones, friends. That whole area was devastated. Many people were evacuated from those neighborhoods for an extended period of time, dislocated and afraid. And so that church service, as you can imagine, was heavy with the need to respond to very big questions in the midst of very big fear. Specifically, where is God in all this? Is there a word of hope to be had? In the years that followed, and I was blessed to serve in New York for um, a long period of time, actually. I spent a good deal of that time journeying with the people through those questions. In the immediate weeks and months, I journeyed on subway trains and crossed street corners, walked through parks, all of which were covered with flyers and posters asking, have you seen my father? If you are my husband, will you please contact me? Has anyone any word of this man or this woman? There were flowers and memorial plaques littered all over the city. We could not move and have our being in New York City for a good stretch of time without the evidence of the loss and the pain and the grief all around us. And what I remember of that time in the midst of all that is how profoundly able we were to be with one another. Some of you may have been there and you will know what I speak of. Many of you have heard this talked about. But in New York City, it was almost magical time. Along with all of that fear and pain and grief, when we were riding those subways, we were crying together. We were kind to each other in a way that was unusual among strangers. There was a sense that was real, that we were in this together. And somehow, that brought a very beautiful, if strange, sense of peace and hope in the city. I went to many vigils and spent time at people's bedsides. I met with many people in prayer. And what I would say to you is I experienced over and over people of that city saying, I do not want retaliation because I would not wish thus on anyone, not even an enemy. Over and over, people who had lost much said, we have to struggle for peace because we are a human family and this will only get worse. It's up to us now to make a difference. 
It was a wonderful, amazing experience, the hope that was lived into that city in the midst of the fear and the grief. And what I learned was I could not answer the question, was this God's will? I could not answer the question, how do you make it better? But what I could say with assurance, what I can say now, is something that I discovered in the experience itself, which is God is here with us. This is a horrible thing, and God has not abandoned any of us in it. Let us see what God will do. It's a word of hard hope in a place of hard fear. And when we gather in this place, I look at your faces. I know some of you are in places of hard fear today. I know. There are medical diagnoses that are bringing fear into some of our lives. They're the simple facts of economic hardship that are shaking some of us profoundly. There are realities like aging and failing vision or failing mobility that are things that bring us fear about our own ability to provide for ourselves. Some of us are struggling with job situations, relationship situations. How many of you, and I'm asking you really, how many of you have had an experience of feeling fearful in the last week? Some form of fear for your emotional well-being, your physical well-being, your financial well-being, your relationship well-being, any of the ways in which we have our life. Most of us, I imagine, some form of fear. Fear comes easier than it should. And how many of us have been able to say, it's okay, God's got it. How many of us have been able to feel that deeply? It's harder to do than to say, is it not? It's harder to do than it is to say. It seems that fear comes very easy and lives on very hard. And it seems that hope, not so easy to come by some days. Let us pray. God, we are a people gathered here and we give you thanks that we are willing to open our hearts, our minds, our very lives to these questions of fear and hope. And we are mindful that we are doing this even now because some part of us knows deep inside that you are with us here in the hard questions, in the hard fear, and in the hard word of hope. And we thank you and we praise you. We ask that we be softened and gentled in your care and that we be available to hearing your spirit speak as we need to hear each of us, for that is the purpose of our gathering, that we would know you and that you would know us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're studying this series, right? What would Jesus really do? And today's question is, what about Jesus and fear, and what about Jesus and hope? Now, the word fear is found many places through the Bible. In fact, do not fear, fear not, or do not be afraid, 
some version of one of those things, is found in virtually every book of the Bible. God says, fear not, I am your protection. Fear not, I will make your way. Fear not, I have chosen you. Fear not, you are my people. Fear not, I am your God. Fear not, I will provide for you. Fear not, I am your shield. Fear not, you are redeemed. Fear not, I will save you. Fear not, I go ahead of you to make your way. Fear not, I am your God. Over and over and over again, fear not. And so what about Jesus and hope? What does Jesus have to say about hope? Come on, some of y'all read the scriptures. Give me a quote. That was the song, <laughs> which is wonderful. And I believe it's relative, uh, related to the Psalms. However, Jesus only speaks the word hope one time in all of the Gospels, in the book of John, chapter 5. And in that one place, what he is saying, referencing hope, is this. I am so sorry for you people because you place your hope in Moses instead of in the God that Moses came to bring you. It's in the same part of John where Jesus is saying, I am so sorry for you people for you wait on signs and wonders before you will have faith. It's the same place where he says to the man who is paralyzed at the edge of the pool that is supposed to have healing properties, and the man has been sitting there for decades, and Jesus says, excuse me, but don't you want to get well? And the man says, I sure do. I've been waiting here for decades, waiting for somebody to get me in that healing water. And Jesus says, Pick up your mat and walk. It's during a whole section of conversation in which Jesus is speaking to the people saying, do you not see, do you not hear? That which you already seek is with you. It is right here. Moses came to tell you it is at hand. The pools are right there. Get up and do your part. What he's saying is, do you see how you place your hope in the miracle, in the sign, in somebody else's prophecy, in somebody else's word, when God is right where you are? I'm so sorry for you people. Why do you not live the hope that has already been placed upon you. And why don't we? Why don't we go there? Right? Here's the thing. We have many, many fears, right? But we're afraid of God. No, I'm serious. I'm, I'm going to testify, and you can just sit there and quietly testify to yourself. <laughs> I'm just going to say that is the very first thing you do when fear comes upon you is fall on your knees and say, God, I know you're here. 
deliver me from this fear. I will do anything that you say, lead me in the way of freedom from my fear. You do? Well, come on up because I will just take a seat because it takes me days sometimes to remember. Because what do we do first in the face of fear? Come on. We run away. We fight it. We deny it. We try to control it. We argue and negotiate with it. You know it. We get afraid in our work situation. What do we start doing? Talking to somebody sideways, making a nice face here, doing something over here. <laughs> you know, we go sideways. We have fear in our relationships. What do we do? Go a little sideways, right? What we do is try and figure it out ourselves. We try and make it go away ourselves. What we do is we forget that what we cannot do by ourselves, God has already given us the ability to do for us. But we have to do our part. We can't simply stand here and say, I hope hope happens. <laughs> Feeling so down, so afraid, so hopeless about my weight, my job, my addiction, my family, my money, my everything. I hope to feel hopeful, but right now I just feel hopeless. I'm waiting it. I'm waiting it. And God isn't doing anything for me lately. It's real. It's real. So our word for today comes from the gospel of Matthew. And I'm going to propose to you that Jesus didn't talk about hope because Jesus lived the hope in our midst. Jesus is our hope. Is our hope. Not was. Is. And if Jesus isn't our hope right now, Jesus is our hope right now. You just haven't discovered it yet. So here's the word for today. The scripture says very clearly that there's this moment of fear and trembling. Here are these women. Jesus has just been crucified. Those who followed him are being hunted. Where are the rest of the disciples? Hidden away somewhere. They're afraid of getting caught. They're fearful in their grief and in their loss. They're wondering where their God is. But here are these women. I love that. These two women go on down to the tomb. And that's a frightening place. There are guards posted there. This is not a safe place. Jesus was just killed. They're not feeling friendly toward the people who feel friendly toward Jesus. And the women go there anyway. And they go together. Let's note that not alone, together. They go to the place of their fear. And when they show up there, what happens? God shows up. And just in case you think we're being silly, being afraid of God, let's think again. Because <laughs> when God shows up, earthquake, <laughs> rumbling, lightning, it's not an easy thing to experience God's presence coming on into your, into your own. In fact, most of us, when we have an experience of God approaching, feel frightened. Because why? We have no idea what to expect. We have no idea what it's going to mean. There goes our self-control. So God shows up, and what does God do? Rolls away the tombstone. Opens the place that's been sealed up. The holder of the pain 
the holder of the death, the holder of the crucifixion, the holder of the grief. This place sealed off, cut away, is rolled open. And the angel sits on the edge and says to the women, what? Fear not. Another translation is do not run away. Fear not, do not run away. Do not run away from God. Do not run away from the place of your pain because we're here together, all of us. And then God says through this angel, the thing that you're looking for, Jesus, and the thing that you think has happened, that maybe he's risen, both of those things I know already. I know your circumstances. I know what you're looking for, and I know what's happened. And I'm going to tell you that the hope is real. Go ahead and have it. And don't just rely on God's word. You know, don't just take God at God's word. Go on in yourself. Go in the tomb yourself. You can do it. I'm right here with you. See for yourself that the dead things are now risen, that that which you have lost has risen again. And so the women go into this place of their pain with God's word with them, encouraging them, and discover that not only is it the place of pain, but it is also the place of resurrection. God's word is hope alive. And so once they go and have that experience, then what? Good for you? Aren't you feeling hopeful? No. Run quickly and tell the others. Tell the people who are locked away still. They can't even come to the tomb. Go to them and tell them that Jesus is going to meet them. Tell them to go to the place where he has told them he will be, and he will be there with them. Tell them to go to Galilee, the city of impure people of second-rate citizens, that bad city. Go to Galilee with all its messiness and imperfection, all its humanity, because that's where Jesus is. And Jesus will meet them there. Have them leave their place of safety and take the risk to go to the messy human city of Galilee and discover Jesus is right there. And they run now, feeling full of and fear, both. We don't have it all disappear at once. We're human. We still struggle. But that doesn't get in our way when God is with us. We can be fearful and joyful both and go spread some good news. And that's what they're called to do, for hope to live in them. They have to bear it to others. And so they go on their way, and lo and behold, as they're running to tell others the truth of God's life and experience in their own, Jesus suddenly appears on their path too. And that's the hope and the promise. As we go to the places of our pain with God and one another and enter into the tomb and see for ourselves that God does rise new life in the places that we are most afraid. When we know that for ourselves, we have much to share with others, even if we don't have it all worked out. And when we bear that word of hope to another, hope itself, Jesus Christ himself, will arrive surprisingly in surprising places along our path. This is worth running with and running for. 
These are the words of hope without the word of hope. The invitation for you is this. Pick up your mat and walk. Wait no longer for words and signs. Don't trust and hope in the word I give you. Find out for yourself. Go with a trusted friend or loved one. Visit the places of your fear. Ask God to be there, and when God shows up, don't run away. Go in and see for yourself the kind of miraculous healing and caring and comfort that God can provide. It may not be what you expected, but it is what will bring you life. And when that happens for you, you take that and you live it by running to the next one to tell them to do the same. As you do, I promise you, you will find Jesus right in your path, ready to meet you as you go. What would Jesus really do? He already did it. He's doing it even now. He went to the tomb before us. He did not run away for us. He brought the good news to us. He lives hope eternal in us. It's up for us to discover it now. Will you join me in this spiritual affirmation as we proclaim living hope together? I will live the hope of God that lives in me, and I will not be afraid. In Jesus' name, God bless you.